Hey everybody, Brian Fonseca here to tell you about the multi-time award-winning series Out Now that is Side Hustle, which is created, executive produced, hosted, and edited by me, Brian Fonseca. Side Hustle is a sit-down interview series that taps into sacrifice, the odd avenues taken to progress closer to your ultimate dreams, and some jokes as well. Because you know, we always gotta find funny and we always gotta find time to laugh. Side Hustle has been named to the best TV and web series category at several different film festivals, including the 2020 International New York Film Festival, the New York Movie Awards, and a host of others. Be sure to watch season one in full right now on either BrianFonseca.net or youtube.com slash Brian Fonseca. Brian with a Y, remember. All eight episodes, trailers, teasers, and promo are free to watch, and the series as a whole is approximately two hours long. Everyone has a story. Everyone has a side hustle. Be sure to watch Season 1, out now. Hard to Tell Podcast, episode 163, Dexter Henry, Brian Fonseca, we back, we're here, Yeah, continuing to do the thing. Brian, how you doing, man? Doing all right. I have Hitman 3 at my disposal. I'm already yoking people up in Dubai, you already know. <laughs> we get Asia 47, we back, and because of you, I'm also playing The Last of Us 2. Yeah, yo, and, uh, love, love the background behind you, love the background behind you. Yeah, so this is this is where I'm up to. So any listener of this pod, do not send me any spoilers. I'm thoroughly enjoying the story. I just got I just started day two in Seattle, and Ellie's revisited her 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 16th. I think it was her 16th birthday with Joel since it was three years prior. Yep. Uh, to the events that are currently or have taken place, I guess. Um, storytelling is very very good. I'm very very impressed and also very on edge so far to what's going on and in hitman 3 also there's some there's some stuff that you see in the opening cinematic i only finished the first mission like look man i i gotta i gotta play something stupid like i am bread you ever seen i am bread i have you need you need something you need you need something where you're not thinking it's just silly yeah Yeah, I, i get it I get it. After I finish, after I finish these games, but you know, like that's why that's why sometimes I'll throw in NBA 2K, I'll throw in UFC, I'll throw in some Yu-Gi-Oh just to lighten it up, listen to some podcasts or whatever. Because that's the thing too. I listen to podcasts when I play video games, except if it's a story-based game like Hitman or like The Last of Us Two. Because you you can't listen to a podcast and play The Last of Us. Are you stupid? So yeah. No, I was when I was playing that game back in this last summer. Man, all my focus was all my focus was in on that. You can't, yeah, you can't be doing anything else in that. I know how how serious it is, um, but no, nah, I've been good. Taking time this month, watching a lot of basketball, a lot of NBA action going on, and mm. we're at this interesting time with the NBA, right? Because we're starting to get to that seventeen, eighteen game mark in terms of games played. The Knicks are around five hundred. Some teams have gotten off to really good starts. The Lakers and Clippers look good. The Jazz look good. Um, what do you make of this NBA season early on? You know, it, it's been a tough season because of all the postponement of games. Just so many that's made it hard for DFS, fantasy players, Yo. people who bet and gamble. We talked about this on the Picks and Prop show. It's hard this season because there's so much going on. 
Yeah, and obviously, more importantly, it's just hard on the players, the teams, staff, the coaches, the um, women who want to be involved with the players, and <laughs> otherwise, like, it's just a difficult time for everybody. Like, you're flying from city to city, and you can't do the normal things that you would normally do yeah. uh, as an NBA player. You can't really enjoy the fruits of being an NBA player, which obviously has to suck beyond the fact that, you know, every two weeks you're getting a very nice paycheck in some cases. Uh, or in many cases, but like, it's just, it's just tough because it's really tough to assess teams. Like I still very much like, for example, I still very much like six teams in the Eastern conference, six teams that I like in terms of, I can see them getting to at least the Eastern conference finals mm. or a couple of them where I'm iffy on like whether they can get beyond that, but that's still saying a lot just in terms of what we expect from these teams or what I expect from all six of them. It's like, to me, Milwaukee's a contender. Uh, Boston's obviously a contender. And Boston's been a little difficult to assess because of COVID uh, to Jason Tatum and because Kemba Walker, who just got back from an injury, had been injured. And also, like, they were... Jalen Brown was out because of COVID protocol at one point, And their, you know, their lineup is all over the place. Miami, who I obviously still like as a potential contender. Obviously. Jimmy Butler's... Yeah, Jimmy Butler's played, like, four games this year. And Jimmy Butler has, you know, I, I think he's actually has COVID and he's in a protocol. Him and Avery Bradley, they've been out. I don't know if one of them or both of them or whatever the case may be, but they've been out for a long period of time. There was at one point where Miami only had eight uh, healthy players that they were trotting out there and nearly beat the Sixers if it wasn't for a missed carry call uh, by the official on Joel Embiid. But, like, they, you know, they were starting Gabe Vincent at one point, who was a two-way last year. Right. Um, the Philadelphia 76ers, it's another team I like that's a contender. They had some COVID stuff, but now they're mostly back. Um, the Indiana Pacers, I like them. Like, I think they're a sneaky team who can get to the Eastern Conference Finals if things click. Like, they're they're at the bottom of this group, but things have to click in the right direction. And we haven't seen Karis LeVert yet with his new team because he gets traded, and then we discover that there's a mass on his kidney. Which we hope, you know which, I mean? which we hope, you know, is everything's okay with that. And yeah, you know, that's definitely a concern for him with that. But you're right, the Eastern Conference, a lot of good teams, some surprise teams. You could say the Cavs, uh, over 500. The Knicks, Sexland, the, yeah, the sex, sex, Sexland, giving the love. We like that. Um, the, the Hawks, not really surprised. Most people had them competing for the last couple of spots. The Knicks have been really uh, solid in terms of how they're playing just around 500 as well, too, playing hard. Uh, a couple of days ago, best team, best uh, overall defensive rating. Um, so it's been a very interesting season, and it's been tough. The Raptors now starting to climb back up after a very rough start. They're starting to be what they are. So I'm, I'm still skeptical of them, though. I'm still skeptical. I, I, I think you should be skeptical of a lot of teams with the start. You know, it, it's still a little too early. To say this is a trend or this isn't a trend, I think we got to hit that twenty-five game mark. So I see, I feel like in about nine to ten games or so, we should eight nine games say we should really know that there. I think certain teams, you know how good they are. I think we know how good the Lakers are. <clears throat> I think we know how good the Clippers are. The Jazz are very interesting. They're off to a start with eight games over five hundred. It's going to be intri- intriguing to see if they can keep that up going forward. Some teams started off shaky, like the Nuggets. Although I still think they're shaky, I'm not sure I believe in them that much because the inconsistency of your boy Jamal Murray, um, <laughs> the tr- the Blazers, really bad defensively. You see a lot. There's a lot of teams jumbled. A lot of teams haven't really se- separated themselves. You know, the Sixers, the best team in the East, they've got a two game lead. The Lakers and Clippers are tied atop the West. They have a half game lead over the Jazz at the time of recording this. So 
a lot of a lot nobody's really separating himself and a lot of that has to do with just the COVID situation the way it's been with the league. Guys don't know who's on the yeah. team one night, who they're playing, will these games be played? Some teams have had a week's worth of games postponed. So it's just been crazy in the NBA to watch. And I, I feel like the next time we talk, the next time we record a podcast, we might be talking a little bit differently and seeing some teams that have separated themselves um and how it's going. But early on, I know I'll talk we'll talk about this. Um, before we move on and then bring in our guests, I know a player that you've liked early on for MVP. We talked about this on the NBA Picks and Prop Show. Joel Embiid has been balling out of his mind. He's yep. been he's been fantastic, man. This is the most impressed with him I've probably been like throughout his career, and I I don't know who to credit between Doc Rivers, him, Daryl Morey, all of the above, but I feel like there's a shift in focus and like yo, we have to we have to not force feed him, but we need to play around Joel Embiid. Now, in turn, that'll inevitably inevitably bring up, excuse me, whether or not like Ben Simmons gets traded down the line. I don't think it'll happen this season. I feel like it's safe to say that Ben Simmons will last the season with the Sixers, but I think that things will turn. He'll probably get moved at some point uh, in the off season, and then we'll really see this thing go toward uh, Joel Embiid. And another thing I wanted to mention, as far as the NBA goes in the Western Conference, like. It's not necessarily COVID, but the Portland Trailblazers, who I was very high on coming into the season, mm-hmm. uh, snake-bitten with injuries. Yusuf Nurkic, who wasn't playing well to begin with, who was actually being outplayed by Enos Cantor before he got hurt, is now seriously injured and is going to be out for, um, I think, from the time we're recording this, probably six to eight more weeks. Uh, Zach Collins has been out again, and he's somebody who's with snake-bitten with yep. injuries. And, you know, all of a sudden they're thin, like, in the front lines. Like, you know, so we'll see. Like, I think because of the COVID situation, I would probably even argue that it may not even go to the 25 game mark. Like I might need half the season to really assess like what's going that's, on. Just that's because, fair. That's fair. Yeah, just because, especially with a team like Portland, with a team like Miami, with damn near every team, like surprisingly the Lakers and Clippers haven't really dealt with COVID in the same way. Mm-hmm. Like some teams have just been luckier in this regard. Um, you know, the Knicks haven't even had an outbreak or anything like that, like during it, which has helped them because they've been able to get off to this encouraging start that leads me to believe like, oh, they can get one of these seven to 10 spots, uh, you know, probably nine or 10 and get into play in, which is a great sign, a great trend moving forward mm-hmm. with the coach who I think is going to get the most out of these guys. So, you know, we'll see. It's, it's a little too early to really be, you know, plant your flag and be definitive on certain things. So I'm still skeptical of a lot of what we're seeing. And, you know, hopefully we get vaccinations throughout the country. That's the bottom line. And just keep everyone as safe as we could now that we have a new administration, which we'll talk about later in this podcast a little bit. Absolutely. I, I don't think it's a coincidence that some of the teams talk about the Knicks, the Nets, um, you know, the California team, some of the states where there's some stricter COVID protocols that these teams necessarily have seemed a little bit healthier in terms of COVID. So, um, you know, I think that's something to keep an eye on uh, throughout the season. We'll talk more about that uh, coming up. Backpack Broadcasting continues to bring you the best original sports content, but now you can get more of the content you love. For as little as $3 a month, you can get access to bonus content, including behind-the-scenes footage and interviews from the Sports Walk, Sideline Stories, or the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. All this exclusive content comes via Patreon. There are tiered levels of patronage, and each Backpack Broadcasting patron receives exclusive perks. Your support 
helps Backpack Broadcasting create more of the original content that you love. Visit Backpack Broadcasting's Patreon page and become a patron today. All right, we got a guest today. It's a guy I've wanted on this podcast for quite some time. My man Bradford Davis. He is the columnist at the New York Daily News and also one of the hosts on the Five and Die Baseball Prospectus. Can't talk today. Podcast. Brad, what's what's up, man? How you doing? I'm living, man. I mean, you know, figuratively, literally. <laughs> I'm here, man. Um, had, had a you know, it was been a, it was a whirlwind of a week, you know, in sports and baseball, especially. Yeah. Um, but you know, but uh, you know, grateful to you know to be able to you know, uh, be part of the game. So. Absolutely, man. And and because of the whirlwind of a week in sports, baseball in particular, we wanted to bring you on. Um, obviously, we'll start off with the fact that uh, Hank Aaron, the legendary Hank Aaron, passed away um, earlier this week. And, you know, that touched the baseball community. I think it touched the baseball community. It touched the black community. Absolutely, for, for sure. Um, and you wrote uh, a piece on the Daily News uh, about Hank. And his impact. Could you just talk a little bit about what it was like to, as a baseball fan and writer, just be able to write about such a legendary figure? Yeah, I mean, um, of course, you know, it, it hit me like a ton of bricks just you know to hear that he had died. I mean, because you know, um, like, I mean, I, I knew obviously he's he's up there in age, but just a few weeks ago, he was out here like you know, um, you know, get you know, getting vaccinated and everything, and just kind of just you know, st- still being you know, a very public facing figure, you know? Um, and by the way, I should, should preface by saying, I in no way make a connection to the vaccine. Right. <laughs> to Hank Aaron's step. Please, everybody listening, get your shots as soon as possible. Yeah, that's an important um, disclaimer. So that's an important, <laughs> important disclaimer. There, there is no evidence that, you know, that's the truth. He, the man was 86 years old. So, all right, let's dead that. But anyway, yes. so, you know, I'll, but I was sad, of course, you know, that the year he passed. But, um, you know, and uh, I, I really didn't know what to say, what to add to. I'm not, I'm not a baseball historian, you know? Um, I don't, I don't know. Uh, Hank Aaron from, you know, experientially, you know, I wasn't around in the 50s and 60s, you know, watching him play. Um, and, uh, you know, and there are, you know, other other writers and journalists who, you know, who've done profound work on on him. But, you know, Howard Bryant to me being the, the the first name that anyone should be thinking about when they when they think about people who documented uh, Hank Aaron's, you know, life, you know, yes. over the last 10 years, 10, 15 years. Um, but, uh, you know, but, but, but uh, as I was, you know, just kind of, soaking up Hank. And um, uh, one of the things I noticed was that there was a, it became a sort of a mode of discourse about him um, that was frustrating me. Um, you know, and, and one, one that focused um, on uh, what was described as, I guess, is his, you know, stoicism, his, um, I guess, just, just that he was, you know, someone who, who uh, over, you know, who, who dealt with, um, the racial abuse that, you know, he had suffered without, um, you know, lashing out, you know what I mean? That was, sort right. of, that was sort of the, 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 the kind of, kind of, uh, language and description in, in many of these early obits and reflections from a lot of, you know, people within, you know, um, sports media and the sports world at large. And that, and that frustrated me because I, you know, it reminded me of just kind of what happened, you know, what happens every, 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 I guess, uh, second or third Monday, you know, of the year, oh, Jackie yes. Robinson Day. Yes. I mean, not Jackie Robinson. Martin Luther King. Uh, Martin Luther King, King, King Day. Day. Yeah, I knew what but, you meant. But also right. Jackie Robinson. But it happens with Jackie Robinson, Robinson, too. Robinson. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, but, but yeah, in that, um, in that complicated, 
uh, figures are only remembered for the times that they that they or they showed what was a perceived docility rather than mm. um, the fire or the conviction that they had. You know, um, uh, you know their their full range of emotions. You know, are collapse into being you know meek and timid and kind. Not to say there's anything wrong with any of these any of those traits, but um, but they but when often when 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 describing uh, black people, especially after the, after they're gone, when they can't speak for themselves, are, are used as a way of, of favoring certain ways of responding to racism. You know that that don't appear to disrupt. You know um, the actual act or s- structural racism itself. Um, and so that really, you know, evolved me. And and so you know, seeing that happen, you know, every year, <laughs> every second, whatever, whatever day Martin, Martin King Day falls on. You know, um, and also Jackie Roms as well. Like, uh, I'm like, man, I just don't want this to happen to Hank. And so it just, you know, so and that's kind of what uh, provoked me that to decide to, to throw my hand because I, I really did not want to write about it. I just wanted to read about him, you know. And then, <laughs> but then that kind of pushed me. In, what so. What was the response? You know, because on Twitter, I, I always watch. You get a lot of interaction from people around baseball, especially when we've spoken about this, Brad. Especially when it connects with topics of race, right? And what was the reaction from people about that? Would you sort of push him back on that notion that, hey, Hank's more than this. He's not just this figure that kind of was like, oh, well, it, it's bad, but I trudged along through the racism. Yeah, you know, I'm uh, I'm honestly really grateful that the uh, reception was overwhelmingly positive. You know, um, you know, um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm slow to, to use the P word progress, you know, um, mm. given again, we just saw like a freaking insurrection in the Capitol like two weeks ago. So, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't want to, you know, uh, jinx it and start a civil war. Right. But like, um, but I, I'm, uh, but I could say I'm grateful that people were receptive to, you know, I, I thought it was a pretty kind of sharp take, you know, um, as far as just, you know, just kind of being very confrontational about, um, the way a lot of people, I think, were you know, had been thinking about Hank and, and what I wanted to possibly correct. So I mean, yeah, people, you know, I, I, um, I think among among you know folks who, you know, um, either have articulated this same issue before or or felt it in their heart but never put the words in, you know, I, you know, um, there was a lot of like, you know, I think appreciation for, you know, just someone putting it out there, you know, um. And then among a lot of, uh, frankly, white folks who just, you know, um, who were not, you know, um, aware of how even um, compliments can be uh, condescending. Yeah. Were, you know, yeah. Um, you know, like there were, you know, um, you know, people who were, who had thanked me, you know, either over Twitter or, you know, um, IG or, you know, or email, or whatever, you know, just kind of uh, for enlightening them and perhaps, you know, changing their mind. That's, you know, what you hope to do, I guess, when you, when you're, Right, an argument is that you you know you, you uh you give a voice to people who didn't have one, and you change you know you change the minds of people who do. So, what? Yeah, go ahead, Brian. And you know what's funny, like hearing you say this, and the point that you mentioned before in terms of like what people lean on when discussing certain figures when they die. Same kind of thing happens to, and as a Puerto Rican, I know this. Same kind of thing happens to Roberto Clemente where they talk about, like, how nice he was, how generous he was, and nobody talks about, like, he kind of led a protest to stop games uh, on opening day in, like, 1968 and had, you know, there were games that were canceled and there were reasons for that. You know what I mean? Like, there were great reasons for that, like, things that would be commendable today for a certain section of people and things that other people would just choose to ignore, as we've seen historically. I think this interesting that there are parallels between, you know, Jackie Robinson, Roberto Clemente, 
who's not just Puerto Rican, but an Afro-Latino. He's black. And then, uh, you know, Hank Aaron, who we obviously have talked about a lot this week. So that's sort of a parallel that I made. And in a sport like baseball, it also doesn't surprise me that narratives could be changed and shifted in this way because we know of, like, Bradford, you're sort of a unicorn in this baseball media space for reasons that are obvious. You know what I mean? And that's that's sort of how, like, history is told by, you know, the majority of people who are white. It's kind of what it is. No, um, I, I couldn't agree more. I think I think Clemente is a fantastic, you know, parallel as as a black Puerto Rican man. Like, you know, he, um, fr- you know, was also frequently, you know, respected when he was quiet, um, mocked when he spoke, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's on the very literal way he spoke because, you know, he was still learning the English language yeah. uh, as someone from, from the island who came, you know, to to, yeah. to the continental U.S., um, but then also, of course, you know, when he had actual ideas about how the world should work, um, you know, he, he was a, uh, a passionate advocate for, you know, black civil rights um, in the U.S. as well as, you know, um, you know, empowering, you know, the Latin diaspora as well. You know, I mean, um, he and so, uh, you know, but but uh, but uh, Clemente, a lot of that is unfortunately really lost, you know, as well in, in, in the, you know, sort of common discourse about the man, because, of course, to, to actually. Um, appreciate him for all who he, all he was would would disrupt things in a way that would you know make the game look a lot different than it is right now. So of course mm. you know there's an, there's an, there is a narrative that that will always be advanced. And so you know I, I, what I hope is that um, in you know as reporters as journalists as writers like we we can you know um, with with audiences with voices like to be able to offer um, a better truer narrative that actually helps us appreciate these these, these men more. You know that's something I really hope you know, people understand is that like when you flatten out these guys, when you make them so 2D, like you actually minimize their accomplishments, you know, yeah. <laughs> what they did, you know, to hit, to That's hit 715 point. with everything he was going through. And he was not, you know, he didn't just brush it off. He was, he was angered and grieved and sad and scared, you know, like, um, you know, he, he was not like, you know what I mean? It, you know, he was not Teflon. Like, we, yo, you prick us, we bleed. Like, um, and so for him to still do that, like that, you know, that, that heightens the, you know, um, what he did doesn't, doesn't diminish it, you know. So like we, yo, we we gotta we gotta keep the texture, man. Like that's the only way to um to really um learn what happened and you know and apply it to our lives today. And thank you for saying that, Brad, because you actually said that where which is kind of the point you were making that a lot of people have skated around this on Hank Aaron and saying that he wasn't angry. He went through this without being angered. And it's like no, to be black in America <laughs> is. Being in a constant state of rage, to quote the great James Baldwin. So to to act as though he wasn't angry through his experiences is completely disingenuous and just absolutely not true. Now, another thing I wanted to touch upon with Hank, there's kind of been this narrative that I've seen in reading pieces and throughout the media is to highlight Hank Aaron's accomplishments, we're also now trying to tear down Barry Bonds. No matter what it is that you might feel about Barry Bonds, I see your, rea- I see your reaction, Brad. But it's sort of it sort of bothered me, right? Like you don't have to do this to Barry Bonds. We know. Let let me just be clear about a couple of things. And Brad, you know this because you're a, a big baseball guy. You know this too, Brian. Barry Bonds was not friendly with the media. All right. We 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 this this has been known and well documented. We we get this. But the things I've seen this week of people tearing down Bonds. Bonds would never be what Hank Aaron is. He he can't be. It's ridiculous. It, it's it's ridiculous. Am I bugging on this? I don't I don't think I am based on your reaction, Brad. But but, but how did you how do you feel about that? Because there've been some media members that have done this. 
So yeah, so um, this obviously is audio. So just so you know, my reaction was immediately uh, facepalming myself over and over again as as Dex was talking. With two hands. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, so um, nah, man. Uh, yes, infuriating. You know, like um, and it's sort of the uh, it, it. I think it runs um adjacent to you know to what you know to what I was hoping to convey with the you know the Hank, Hank Aaron column. But yes, man, like. Yo, we like leave Barry alone. <laughs> like it's you know, Lord. you know, you know, his his uh, his his hero died. <laughs> like you know, the yeah. hours ago, and 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 that's the opportunity to be like, oh yeah, he you know, this is why he you know he can never be that bad because because of this because of the very likely steroid use and because he was rude, right? And the thing that's so frustrating about me is is like it, people don't realize how historical they you know they are, or really much how much they fit in the lineage of of media, usually white media, but usually you know, but media like um you know, not accepting, you know, black people unless they're entirely differential to their voices and, the, you know, and to, and to their, their, their columns, their blogs, their, you know, their takes. Um, and, uh, you know, and so um, that happened to Hank, it happened to Hank Aaron, you know, when he um, married his second wife, um, the, nar- you know, and, and was also starting to become a little, just, just a little more testy and a little more vocal about things that bothered him, you know, which ha- so happened to intersect with him marrying this woman who's, Billy, who was actually very involved in the civil rights movement, you yes. know, um, you know, you know, even before marrying Hank, right? And yeah. so, um, so the immediate narrative was, you know, is Billy, um, Aaron a problem? You know, like mm. is, you know, did, did she, you know, like, like, you know, this black, this proud black woman, did she radicalize him? Yeah, this humble, you know, this humble baseball player, you know, um, so, um, you know, like that, that was a that was a real problem that Hank dealt with. Now, granted, Barry Bonds has not has not been out there on on you know, important political issues. And I'm not, even, I'm not even saying Barry Bonds is a particularly good person. In fact, um, there is, there are legitimate, you know, um, issues to, with which I think the media ought to discuss a lot more with him, especially, you know, the fact that he's had, you know, multiple allegations of domestic violence with his, you know, with his intimate, part, intimate partners. Yes. Like that's like a part of his record that is like exponentially, like diminished relative to the steroid use. When people talk about character with Barry Bonds, it's always, it's always, it's always, you know, the, the, uh, the shot in the butt and the, you know, and, and him being like mean to some like kid asking for an autograph, but it's never that he beat, that he allegedly beat woman. Right. Which said, so, mm-hmm. and so just using process of elimination, knowing how writers talk about black athletes and black, you know, public figures in general, um, knowing that how they don't talk about the actual, you know, um, valid concerns about Barry, the Barry Bonds, the person. I just, I'm just, I'm just like, okay, process of elimination. This is racist. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Word. And so, um, so you know, I, I think, I think it's absolutely abhorrent. You know, um, I even got got into it recently with 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 a writer who, um, you know, had basically done that take, but you know, without mentioning at all the DV stuff, like, um, DV being again domestic violence. So, I mean, uh, I'm, um, you know, I'm, I'm with you on that, man. And it really needs, it really needs to end. You should not be pitting these two people against each other. Um, yeah. And, you know, and just that last, last little nugget too. Um, PEDs existed before 1989. You know what I'm saying? Like, they existed, yeah, Barry Bonds did not, not, not invent them. Um, you know, there, there, there were just, there are, you know, players who said that, that steroid use was happening in the 60s. Plus, you know, plus there's, of course, amphetamines, you know, that were used without prescription in order so, so that you can have, uh, a fun night while while you know snapping back at eleven o'clock in the morning to you know take your batting practice or whatever you know I mean <laughs> like that was happening you know you know back in like the sixties you know so um so there is so and I, I far far from me to to accuse Aaron or anyone of of you know 
of any sort of drug right. use, but just that, just know, just know that it was happening, you know, and that is this is not a clean era versus a dirty era, you know. Yeah, it's just an era. Yeah, no, I'm I'm glad I'm glad you guys agree with me on that. I think the stuff against bonds, absolutely, it, it's just we don't have to go there and do that. But like you said, it, it it's not a good look, and it it makes you think about the way certain athletes, black athletes in particular, They're- are are portrayed and, and 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 written by certain members of the media. They're doing it right now with the quarterbacks in the NFL. Every time Lamar Jackson loses a playoff game, he gets compared to, you know, Patrick Mahomes. Oh, Patrick Mahomes, they have to tear one of them down. Russell Wilson, like, they, there's a process of elimination going on there as well. And, look, we're recording this Sunday night during the AFC Championship <laughs> game. If Josh Allen wins, right? If Josh <laughs> Allen wins. <laughs> and I hope he does. But if, and I don't think he will, but if he and the Bills win, watch what people are going to say in comparing him to Lamar Jackson, which has probably already started because oh, Lamar yeah. Jackson had to go to the AFC Championship, which, you know, football is its own thing because, like, you could only impact the game with so much as an individual player. But that's a nuanced discussion for another podcast. For, 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 I mean, for, I mean we, we see it with Aaron Rodgers. He didn't make it. He's like yeah. the greatest quarterback of since he's, since the moment he took that starting job. Like he's been the best, you know. Like the yeah. you know, the only successor is probably Pat Mahomes, and yet you know he's you know he has won what one NFC Championship game. He's made the Super Bowl once and he won it, right? So come on, like relax. Kinda, <laughs> you know, I kind of wish now that we're like not to just sort of hijack this. No, it's fine. I kind of wish Patrick Mahomes made people a little more uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Like, I right, kind of right. wish he, he leaned into his blackness a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? Like instead it's of like one do rag. Instead of just doing it on the commercial, you know what I mean? Like, do not even just do rag. Do it with the tie in the corner right here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I wish Patrick Mahomes would just kind of like lean into that a little bit more because I think there's a real opportunity there for you know a much uh, larger conversation, especially as someone who's biracial. But you know. We'll see. Hopefully, he wins another Super Bowl though, because I don't want to see Tom Brady win that shit again. Yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah. I think I think a lot of us are, are out on that. All right, you talk. There's some other news that was going on. Busy week for you, uh, Bradford. We're going to talk a little about what went down with the New York Mets and their now former GM Jared Porter. Obviously, uh, reporting done by Mina Kimes and Jeff Passan. Um, that was just really disgusting uh, stuff surrounding Jared Porter. In how he, um, you can say it's not really alleged now because it's been out there and there's evidence, but sexual harassment of a uh, former female uh, baseball uh, writer uh, from another from another country, and we'll get into how that got re- really messy too. When this broke, Brad, were you? I, I, sh- I don't think "shocked" is a word for any of us as men who've worked in sports media. Were you as disgusted? No. As I was, because it, it I, this was just ridiculous. My the first thing that came to my mind, Brad, was how did the Mets not catch this or vet this? But I've always had this thought that if you want to catch this stuff and you want to look for this stuff, then you have to have the want to to look for it. And I'm not necessarily sure that they or any other organization really has cared about finding out this stuff before. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I was like, you know, I was sad and disappointed, angered, you know. Um, but not not terribly surprised because I know how sadly you know outside of the uh, X Y chromosomes mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and mm-hmm. I know I know how we do you know unfortunately and, and we you know and just to preface again like you know we need to be you know leading within you know within our text groups and our group chats and our you know and our hangouts to make sure that we keep each other accountable on this stuff you know um you know we should not be allowing 
um, anything on the predatory spectrum to, to exist, you know, um, we, you know, among our friends groups that people know how to treat, you know, um, if they, if they didn't hear from their mom or dad, like hear from us, like, this is not how we talk to, talk to women, talk to people you're, you're inter interested in, but anyway. So, um, sorry to cut you, so, sorry to cut you off one second. I just wanted to mention to people just the, gra the gravity of this, that this was, this GM was sent an unwanted photo, um, of his genitalia to, uh, this woman reported this happened back in 2016 and then continuously sent messages uh, this woman after she said she was uncomfortable with it so he clearly didn't get the hint sorry i just wanted to make sure that was understood no, no, no. to uh, to our and, listeners uh, and, and and also there's i mean you can't be surprised because there's usually a certain type of dude who this kind of happens to but that's you know we can get more into that after bradford takes the serious part of this discussion <laughs> because <laughs> i'm going to yes. steer this in a totally in totally <laughs> irresponsible direction yeah, but, but yeah. i mean Go ahead, Bradford. Sorry, man. No, it's all good, man. So, so, so like, yeah. So that, that plus like sixty unanswered text messages at one point, uh, where with you know most of them flirtatious, um, with him like peddling like you know information at times that you know I forget the sequence exactly. You know about like oh you know because he was he was he was hitting on a reporter, um, via text. Strike one. Um, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, yeah. Come on. <laughs> so that's part of the problem too, right? But, like, um, yeah, but yeah, she and she was yeah she was you know clearly not feeling him. Given that he, she, you know, did not respond to any of his ex, um, and uh, and so then he finally, you know, uh, went there, went there, went there with, you know, with, with these, you know, lewd selfies of like, you know, of uh, you know, like literally an erect penis at one point, right? So yeah, uh, so I'm, 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 uh, I'm, you know, I was, I was furious about that. Um, it's not, I shouldn't say, you know, it's, I, I wrote from the perspective of the Mets, given that, you know, uh, I'm with the New York Daily News, so the hometown paper and everything. And I was at a press conference, you know, as they kind of wrapped up and explained kind of what happened and what they're, you know, and how they're trying to move forward. But like, you know, it does not fall entirely in the Mets. It's a, it, it is a, you know, the, certainly the Cubs should be like heavily interrogated about this. Fair. That's um, fair. Yeah. Every team they're, you know, the, the Red Sox, you know, who he has more experience with the Red Sox than anyone else. Yep. Um, the uh, the Diamondbacks, which he also served as an AGM before he came to the Mets, you know, like everyone, you know, deserves some smoke, you know, Major League Baseball as a whole. And frankly, you know, most sort of like, you know, corporate institutions, <laughs> like, you know, this, these, these are things that happen, um, you know, outside of, you know, baseball or sports, you know what I mean? So like, so this is not just the Mets problem, right? Just just to be entirely clear, you know, um, I don't want to do the uh, orange and blue version of like, you know, or the Mets version of like Knicks for clicks, you know, like it's, you know, <laughs> with that said, right? Um, and that, you know, meaning that for for those who aren't aware, like whenever something bad happens in Knicks, like you know, it's a hot Knicks, I, you know, that's not right. my, my heart spirit at all. Um, but that being said, um, the 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 Mets team president, a very respected man named Sandy Alderson, who's been around the league, you know, been around for forever, you know, like. Um, and to my, and does not seem to be for, for, though I don't, I can't say I know him, you know, personally intimately that like, uh, you know, a, a bad and nefarious person. However, he made some critical errors, you know, yes, he, yes, time. he did. Um, uh, one is that he, is that he gave away a key detail about this, about this woman that, um, was clearly supposed to be, you know, something she kept confidential so that, um, you know, and 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 you, you know, and the ESPN story didn't, you know, mention this detail either. Probably could have been written a little more carefully, but they, you know, but they didn't, you know, but they didn't mention it because she, because she, she um, said that she, you know, feared retribution. Yeah, she was, you know, if, if this was the, you know, um, you know, if it was, the, if it was to get out who exactly she was, right? Um, but then, um, you know, uh, but that, that's like, you know, horrible. Like, like he, he, he just gave it up. <laughs> like, and I'm like, you know, I, I was so angry, but you know, with, with that. 
Um, now again, I don't think it was intentional. I don't think it has to be intentional. The you know, but the impact could already be done. You know, right. The second thing he, you know, second thing was that he, you know, is that someone asked him. It was a Hannah Kaiser of uh, Yahoo Sports, right? Yep. Uh, you know, uh, but Han- Hannah asked like, um, Sandy Alderson, like, yo, um, did you ask any woman like while you were you know vetting this person? Which is a great question. And you know, and a great question. His answer was no. And now I appreciate that he was honest about it, right? It was good that he was honest because like because given that these are like back you know back channel conversations, you know, it would have been pretty easy to lie, you know, given that you know these are supposed to be private discussions, you know. But he, he didn't. He told the truth. He's like, no. However, what he said after that, you know, was also, you know, bothersome uh, when explaining, you know, the rationale is, is that there weren't enough high ranking women in in uh, in baseball with which to do a good assessment on on him on that level. Um, and that is like, you know, that to me, like, you have to, I think you just have to reject entirely. Like, um, first of all, there are, you know, first of all, it's true. You know, he he was trying to, you know present some truth about the structural injustices within 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 baseball and tr- probably you know true of of all american pro sports right and that there are women aren't usually at the you know at the higher levels and that is a problem right but not in jared porter's case jared porter was hired by, as an intern in 2004 with the red sox uh working alongside him and and, and at times above him was uh raquel ferreira mm. a black woman <laughs> you know who is now the assistant general manager, manager of the red sox yep you know who you know um was even was even the uh, interim GM at at one point during the 2019 season after the, their GM had gotten fired, um, has worked on contract extension, you know, contract negotiations with you know with her you know her own players. There, you know, he she's like she had 11 years of overlapping time, you know, and so if you're taking his word at heart, like that means that she that he never asked, like you know this like literally pioneering woman, right? You know, <laughs> so spent 11 years with them, you know. Um, there is, uh, you know, like he could have, man. There's so many things, so many opportunities he could have, he could have taken. You know, uh, Alderson could have taken to, you know, widen the the play the playing field. You know, maybe you don't just need that to, to have like a, a a woman who's also a boss. You know, talking to him because clearly he's not necessarily preying on on his bosses. You know, right? But he was preying on, on on the vulnerable reporter from a different country. Like, I think I think it's hard. I don't mean to cut you off. But I think it's hard for people to believe that there isn't some kind of trail here, Bradford, right? That there isn't other women that this happened to. I do not think that this woman that was in the story is the first woman. Um, but as we know, women are afraid to speak on this. And one of the things I saw that I think you probably saw too that was disgusting around this this week was that people were countering men. Let's call it for what it is. Men were countering, well, why didn't she come out with this before? Why did she wait until this time? That, because 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 of fools like you, right? Exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly. Because because people because people will, people will always have a reason to doubt why you say what you you know. Like if she did it a week later, why why didn't you come immediately? You know, like if if she did it twelve seconds afterwards, like you know, yeah. <laughs> why you know right. why why are you lying then? That that then you know there there is never a acceptable criteria for a certain kind of person about whether or not you know about why someone did or did not do you know um their due diligence and reporting the, the crime committed against them, you know, to that, to, like, come on, man. Like to that this. point, your colleague and Mets beat reporter, uh, Disha Thozar wrote a fantastic piece, um, a salute to her in which she talked about her own experiences uh, with sexual harassment, working in no place, a place that I used to work at MLB advanced media and, and the stuff that she had to go through there, just absolutely disgusting. But that is exactly why women sometimes do not come with this 
in a quick fashion. And it's because of people who create this culture around it. And, and it's just this disgusting. Are you, I guess the last thing before we let you get out of here, Bradford, is, and one other thing I thought that from you, that which is one of the reasons we want to hear, you talked to a Mets player who was clearly disgusted uh, about what was, what was going on. It was good to hear that from a player in the organization that he was disgusted about what was going on. When you hear players have the responses that like that, do you think that this is a sort of not watershed moment just for the Mets, but also baseball as a whole in looking at really changing the culture? I think we as men who do the right thing know that this is bad, but do you think this is a shift for baseball going forward in sort of really cleaning up this kind of mess that exists? It could be. <laughs> yeah, word. I know it could that's be. a noncommittal answer. No, that's fine. It's yeah. fine. It's fine to be unsure uh, about things. I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll tell you why it's, it's not going to right? Because um, the Mets are also believed to be sort of the like the leading pursuit, per, um, pursuance of um, Trevor Bauer, um, oh. you know, of uh, who's just won the Cy Young Award. A, yeah. a fantastic pitcher um, last year and, you know, and, and, you know, a good one before that. But, um, but also one who has harassed, not sexually harassed, but, but has a, a good track record of, of harassing uh, women who don't like him for for a lot of reasons, part partially because of his politics. You know, mm-hmm. he's uh you know very avid um has been a very avid Trump supporter. Has complained about quote unquote illegal immigrants and documented you know folks. Um has you know um he has uh, shared anti-Semitic conspiracies from his Twitter handle. You know um so 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 with the dynamic just for people who are unaware you know is that uh, you know is that he says some stupid stuff right some you know uh, a uh, a woman on the internet, you know, a lot of people on the internet call him out for it, but like, but, but it seems anecdotally at least that when, when women do, he, he, you know, gets riled up and he starts, you know, piling on that person. And because he's, because he has developed such a following because he posts so often about everything, you know, he's just constantly tweeting God. <laughs> but, uh, the, but when, you know, but <laughs> that he has, he has this rabid fan base of people who defend him to death, you know? So these, all these simps come out and they, um, and they, they start, you know, and so the moment he draws attention to some woman who uh, has like a 180th of his following, you know, uh, he doesn't even have to say violate the terms of st- ter- ter- uh, the like the standards or, or you know, the TOS um, of any of the social media platforms he's on Twitter, you know, mostly because, you know, his fans will do it for him. <laughs> and so they go out and so they go after they make horrible jokes, that, you know, you know, wh- whether, you know, on, on the woman's appearance, you, you know, um, threats. Uh, you know, jokes about race or identity or ethnicity or religion or whatever. Um, and he does nothing to calm that down, you know, huh. like, you know, and so like, for example, so again, he doesn't have, to, you know, I, I wouldn't say he's responsible for his fans. Um, you know, you know, if he would say immediately knock it off, you know, yeah. like, this, you know, you know, like um, I, you know, but he, but he basically never does that, you know, like recently in a, in a statement to uh I want to say Ken Rosenthal, he, you know, he, 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 uh, he had, uh, said that like, yeah, I don't condone any bad behavior, but he never does it, you know, while it's happening, you know? Oh, sounds like, sounds like somebody used to be in the White House. Sounds just like that person. Right, exactly. So yeah, it's, 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 it's very Trumpian. It's very, um, you know, it's, it's a common way of internet bullying, you know, that is like a little nuanced if you're not as online or as, as, as familiar with how these kind of conversations work, but it's the one that he traffics in. And so I say that they always say, I apologize for the long preamble, but like, the Mets are going after this man, you know, like, like that right. is at least a, a rumor report, you know, but he has, you know, but you, you, all you have to do is Google Trevor Bauer harassment to find 
many different you know times people have, have busted him on this. So like you know so so when I say like y'all you do you guys really care about this like you know um I think it's still a valid question because um you know here's this person with a more nuanced but still very you know uh offensive I would argue misogynistic and dangerous you know form of of uh, of online abuse. And, uh, you know, and, and he's, you know, the hottest free agent in the game or something like that. So, like, come on. And and that perfectly captures exactly why I don't want the Mets to sign him. Like, no. all of that you said right there. And I've been pretty vocal about this. Like, I've told Dexter about this. We've talked about this both on and off air. And I'm like, yo, I just don't want this to happen. For all of those reasons. And on top of that, like, he's just a dick. Like, it just kind of seems <laughs> like he's a dick. So, I don't want to root for a dick. Here yeah. Well, baseball has a lot to do with cleaning, cleaning up their culture. Brad, thank you for joining us, man. You're doing a great job in terms of covering baseball and representing uh, us, people of color, and, and talking about issues of race around baseball. We, we appreciate you, and we hope that you continue doing it, my brother. Appreciate you, man. Sure. Yo, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. One time for your mind, one time. One time for your mind, one time. One time for your mind. We're back. We haven't talked in a couple of weeks, but we want to talk about what's been going on, what's changed in the country. Thankfully, 45 is up out of here, gone. Thank God, especially after the events that took place in the beginning of the month, Brian, where people stormed the Capitol and showed their privilege. I mean, I don't know about you, but black folks, we were just sitting back like, okay, yeah, we see you because we know if that would have been us. We would have been shocked. That not being said, it's crazy with all what has gone on. But uh, Joe Biden sworn in last week, officially, and Kamala Harris both sworn in officially. And I think for a lot of people, be like myself, uh, no matter what your party affiliation is, I think it just feels good to have some competency back in the White House. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's even some folks uh, who tend to lean more Republican that were not for Trump, that even feel this way, that there's just some competency back in the White House. But with everything that went on, all the lies telling people about an election's been stolen, and all this nonsense that we've been hearing, you know, it's just it's just nice. I don't know if it's exciting, I would say, because there's still a lot going on in the world. But for me, it's just a relief to actually see press conferences and a competent White House press secretary and, you know, executive orders being passed and signed that aren't designed to harm people and people uh, an administration seems to actually want to get the country back on track. So I don't know about you, but that's just how I feel. So I'm going to, you know, we're going to wait and see just like any other president, but it's nice to have uh, that dude out of there for sure. Yeah. Somebody who appears to give a shit, somebody who appears to just be nice, somebody who appears to want to get certain things done now, you know, we can quibble with the actual nuances of, you know, certain things like, you know, things that should be more left leaning and whatever the case may be and him being a moderate and all that stuff. But it's just nice to like have that, as you said, um, there's a point that I don't that I don't I haven't heard anyone make. But like we've made a lot about the results, as in 81 million Biden, 70, 74 million for Trump. And what I come to realize is that, like, yes, a lot of people are saying, like, that's a lot closer than you would have wanted it. Although we do have to remember that, especially in the case of Joe Biden, there were people that were voter suppressed. 
So he probably would have gotten even more votes because Georgia had to overcome his voter suppression and other parts, you know, like Texas and Nevada and Arizona. Like there's some sneaky shit going on with some of the votes, not in the way the Republicans think, but in the way that has actually, you know, marginalized some other communities. So the vote tally could have been a lot more than that. And also on top of that, like regardless of uh, whether or not the number would have been, you know, whatever it would have been. But I also think that there are a lot of people who were dreamers, who were immigrants, who were not allowed to vote for whatever, you know, American reason that also would have voted for Biden, too. So the lead would have been a lot longer. And I just think that nobody's pointing that out. Uh, I just wanted to get that out there on the front end. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's nice to have somebody who appears to be competent, somebody who's, you know, boring. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, just boring is good sometimes, man. Boring right, is good. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? I, I mean, and we'll see because you know, there's 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 articles of impeachment being written up by Republicans now. They're trying to find anything possible. Like, thank God, uh, the Democrats got the Senate because this could potentially be even more of a mess than it already is, or they're trying to make it be. But I do think gradually, like, for me. And a lot of people have heard say this, like that was a day of hope. And then other people said, oh, racism isn't going away. And I don't think now is really a time to be pessimistic about anything uh, in terms of that. Like we just need to like get shit started. He's already signing executive orders, trying to do stuff about COVID, trying to do stuff about like what we can get in terms of financial aid. Um, hopefully more than 1400 because like 1400 is just not going to cut it by itself. But and obviously, you know, you hear things about he goes into the White House and he discovers that, oh, there was no coronavirus plan. So we're, we're starting from ground zero. And it's like, yeah, we, you know, we kind of. It's not, not really that shocking. Yeah, not and, really and that shocking. And at the same time, it's like, we, we kind of knew that. But to also have it confirmed, it's kind of like, ugh, like, but, you know, it, well, it, it is what it is. Well, here's the I thing. Guess. Like, you know, I think you have to be optimistic about these things moving forward. But at the same time, when you look at the country, you look at the numbers, you look at the amount of people that voted for the guy who was last in office, and then you look at what happened on January 6th, yeah. there, there is cause for concern. And I think the people that feel the way that those people that stormed the Capitol building on January 6th uh, because of their privilege and how they felt that they're untouchable by the law, and it was clear that they were untouchable by the law, um, as we know, as I said, if this were minorities, it doesn't go down that way. I think we know that. Um, but when you see that happen, those people are still out there. And they still feel that way. And that's not going anywhere anytime soon. And I think what's what's very dangerous is there's still people that were around that that refused to denounce Trump for his actions in that and how he incited those people to take those actions. And there were politicians to do that. And shame on them for having public office and, and you know, inciting violence. Not cool at, at all whatsoever. So, you know, I think that's still out there. And I think that's that's the thing that people, especially people of color in this country, have to be mindful of. There are still people that don't want to see you do better. And yeah. th and that's ve very evident. Now, they can hide it behind an election's been stolen and all this other stuff. But the, the, what's lying in the underbelly of that is racism. And that's not going anywhere anytime soon in this country. Quite frankly, because white people still have yet to acknowledge that it's a problem and it has hurt people of color in this country and it's set them back and they've refused to do anything about it. So until that happens we're still going to be dealing with that problem. So that's just it. Now, am I optimistic about what this administration can do? Absolutely. Look, anything's better than lack of competence. So coming in with some competence and actually a plan, I think that's encouraging. I think how this, uh, how they handle 
the virus going forward is going to have a huge impact on things we talk about in terms of sports and other things in this country and people finally probably being able to get out and gather. So, you know, that that's that's a huge thing. But we'll see. We'll, we'll just we're, we're going to wait and see. We're, we're not out the clear yet, but we'll wait and see. All right. That's it for yeah. this. That's it. You guys. Yo, you have something else you want to say? Yeah. And th- the last thing I would really say about that is just I agree fundamentally what what Bernie Sanders said, where it's like, look, yes, we, you know, they're going to reach out to Republicans. They're going to try to see, like, if they can, you know, work together or whatever. But if the Republicans don't want to work together, then fuck them. We're just going to do it ourselves. And I think that's the thing. Like, I, 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 I thought Joe Biden gave his best speech at the inauguration. I also think that there's something to be said about, like, you know, everybody preaching unity and things of that nature, which, you know, could be a word kind of like diversity where we look at that and be like, all right, what do you really mean? But when it comes to unity, I think that, look, if there are people who genuinely want to work together, then, yeah, you could achieve some sort of unity at some point. But if people are just going to be like Ted Cruz, then it's like, no, there's certain people in this world that you don't want to unify with. It's It's hard to unify when people can't even get the facts straight on certain things or are going to believe Anything that anyone says, that that it's hard to be unified with those folks if they're just going to yeah, ignore there, the facts. Yeah, there's no winning if you're trying to achieve a middle ground with assholes. That's yeah. basically what it comes down yeah. to. Like that's yeah. that's it. Yeah, no, I I don't disagree with that. All right, that's it for this one time for your mind. Kept it very political. Uh, that's also it for this episode 163 of the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. We want to have a big thank you to our guest Bradford Davis. Check out his work on the Daily News. Uh, great stuff about Hank Aaron. Great stuff about uh, the ridiculousness that was going around with the former GM of the New York Mets. Um, we'll be continuing more throughout the month. The year is going on. We're almost a month through 2021, unbelievably already. We'll continue to roll along with more great content here on the A Hearts to Tell podcast. So, for Brian Fonseca, I'm Dexter Henry. Until next time, y'all. Peace. Shoot.